Welcome to Connection Church's podcast. This week, Brandon Williams concludes the series, Encounter. He talks about the non-negotiables that we have here at the church, the things we will always be about. God has and is doing some incredible things through this ministry, but we must keep the main thing, the main thing. All right. Well, today we're finishing up our series on Encounter. I've had a blast with this series. We've seen a lot of people come to know Christ, give their life to Christ for the first time. We've seen tons of people um, who have have recommitted their lives to Christ, and it's been absolutely phenomenal. Um, The the series has been geared around encountering Jesus through Jesus' encounters, and so we've been looking at different people. Today I'm excited. It's going to be a little bit different because... um, Today I'm just really going to share my heart about why we're here, why we exist, why we believe that the church as a whole exists. And so I want to share that with you today and and hopefully maybe for some of you who came in here a little unsure about church in general, maybe we can clarify today what the church is supposed to be so that other people can come to an encounter with Jesus, right? That's what we're all about. So I want to read a scripture to you. We'll have our last testimony time and then we'll jump into the word. This is Acts 6, 1 through 7. It says in Acts 6, 1 through 7, In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Grecian Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers, choose seven men from among you, who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the Word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Also, Philip, Procurus, and all that group of guys right there. Um, Yeah, uh, Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread, the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Well, let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word, um, for being so good to us, for loving us, for sending your son that we could have an encounter with him and a relationship with you uh, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, God. Thank you for that. Thank you that you uh, call us to walk in, in power, God. Thank you that you gave us a spirit not of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind, God, that we could be a representation of you to this world. God, I pray right now for those who walked into this place today skeptical that something would happen in in our hearts, God, that comes by the working of the Holy Spirit, that your word would, would sink deep into our hearts and that we'd be open to receive your good seed and that it would begin to produce fruit in our lives. God, I just ask you to have your way here in this place today. We love you. We thank you, God. In the mighty and awesome and precious name of Jesus, amen. Amen. My story started back at 14. I was going to a youth group here in Statesboro where I had found comfort. A few months after I started going there, a dear friend of mine committed suicide. There started my path to self-destruction. I turned my back on God. Why wasn't I home when he called me? I could have said something to stop it. Why would you let someone so young and full of life take their own life? Why didn't you stop it and protect him? Well, I guess I've probably got many stories I could share, but probably the uh, one of the greatest areas um, in my life that uh, 
I've really seen God work is, is in my marriage to uh, my wife, Wendy. We will. I've been married 18 years in May, and it has been a journey. I got pregnant before we got married, and so we decided that that's what we wanted to do was to get married, and uh, we did. I know we loved each other, and he loved me. Um, I guess I probably doubted that at first, uh, maybe thinking that it was just his obligation to marry me. I grew up in a home where we went to church every Sunday, but that was about the extent of our religion. We went to church, we kept fast days, etc., but we never read the Bible, and I never felt a personal relationship with God or Christ. Um, I went through high school, was involved in uh, youth activities at our church, and had some what I would call mountaintop experiences. I think over time, uh, you know, we were both believers. You know, we both went to church, we tithed, we did all those things, uh, you know, that, that, that you do as, as a Christ follower, but, you know, walls began to be built. Of course, I began a career as a football coach, and, and it really doesn't matter what the career is you build, but so often uh, as men, we... We begin to build this career, and we see ourselves as providers, and uh, you know we strive to be successful. And, and on a Sunday morning, the pastor was talking about, "I'll give you a new spirit and a new heart." And he said, "Turn to Ezekiel 36:26." And out comes this piece of paper as I flip my Bible open, and I look down at it, and I realize I'd forgiven myself and I hope, and that God had answered that prayer already. And I read that passage, and it was Ezekiel 36, 26. I will give you a new spirit and a new heart. And um, it was kind of a nudge from God, like, hey, I got you. And it was so cool. And because of that faith, I think I rediscovered my own. It didn't happen all of a sudden. As my whole faith journey, it was just a walkthrough. My journey today is, is just, it's so exciting. You know, the Lord just really met me right where I was and, and really began to convict me as a husband and and, um, and just helped me to begin to see all the areas uh, that I needed to change and, and that I could change if, if I would allow Him to do that and, and let Him work everything outside in, in, in my relationship uh, with Wendy. I began to see something that I'd never seen before happen within me, and that was a personal relationship, a daily walk with God. And that's what I attempt to do now, is have a daily walk with God. I don't know where it's headed. I don't know where God's taking me, but I am so excited about finding a way to be used in God's kingdom work. I hope you pray for me, because I have no idea where I'm going. I'm, I'm so comfortable with who I am today that I know that wherever I go and whatever I do, Christ will be the center of my life. There's still a lot me and God is working on, but we're getting there. You got a hand. For those of you who, who haven't been here, this was basically a summary of all the testimonies we've heard over the last five weeks and, and I just wanted you to see the faces of the people. Tony couldn't be here. He moved to Winter Haven, Florida. Um, we miss him and are going to miss him. But I wanted you to see the faces of real people who were really touched by a real God and whose lives have been changed and altered forever because we serve a God who is alive and real 
It's not just some dumb, mute idol. It is a God who longs to have relationship with us and speak to us and touch us and change us. And some of us need to realize that the same God that touched their lives and changed their lives and changed their hearts desires to touch you and change you, deliver you, heal you, and set you on a foundation that no matter what comes your way, you stand firm. Can I tell you this? This is why we do what we do. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you guys so much. Man, I, I'm so thankful for them being willing to share their testimony. I don't know about you, but it's been so encouraging for me to be able to hear all that God's doing in their lives. And, and, um, and just what an awesome thing. Most of them, that when we asked them to do it, they were like, um, you know, and we, we had to pay most of them 100 bucks to get them. No, we really didn't. But, uh, but we, we are thankful for them being willing to share and be open and uh, being very, uh, very willing to share what God's doing in their life. I want to share with you that as I told you, uh, this will be a little bit different because this is my heart um, for, for church. This is what I believe God has taught me through the word about what church should be. I want to share this with you today so that you can understand a couple of things. Hopefully what the church is about, um, the church, the big church, and where this church is going. Um, so that you can have a, a clear understanding, clear expectations of what it's going to be like here, what we believe that God has called the church, uh, the universal church, the big church, to be. And so we want to share that with you today. It's going to be a little bit different. I want to share with you sort of the non-negotiables about what we see the church being about. We read in Acts uh, 6, 1 through 7, and the first thing that I want to tell you, um, uh, real quick, a story. When I was, uh, I guess I was probably about 26 years old, um, I would go to the gym and work out or try to work out. I, you know, go in and, and, and I know the people at the gym think, what's he doing? Because he goes in three years later, no change. But I go in and, uh, and, and I just really like the protein bars. I go in to eat those. So, but, and, and every time I would go into the gym and I would work out, I would, I would get this horrible headache. And I mean, it was really frightening because I never had a headache until I got down like on the bench press to do a rep. And as soon as I would start to strain or push, I would feel this horrible pain start at the base of my neck and move all the way up to the top of my head to the point where I would have to find somebody to like help me get to the car. I would always be working out with a buddy or, or um, Susan would be there and, and they would have to literally help me get to the car and help me get, get home because it would hurt so bad. I don't know if any of you have ever had a migraine, but, but that's what it was. It was really that, um, that painful. It hurt so bad. I mean, it's almost like it would make me black out. And so I started having these headaches. First step, we go to the doctor. Um, the doctor's like, we need to get you to a neurologist. And I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, I'm dying. You know, what in the world is going on? This is it. You know, I'm trying to get right with God. I'm like, I'm about to clock out. And so I go, and, um, and I go to this neurologist, and she's talking about, like, sacks of fluid in the back of my head and these things and, and all this stuff, and that my brain is shaking. And I'm like, well, that could explain a lot, but, and I'm like, I, I, something just didn't feel right about that. She starts talking about all the stuff they're going to have to do, like MRIs and all these other tests that was going to come to like a sum total of $9,000, and I'm like, I can get buried cheaper than that, so, and insurance was not going to cover it, and so I was like, what are we going to do, you know, and so, so we started talking, and we, we went home, and I'm thinking, how are we going to pay for this? How are we going to do all these tests? And so we go back one more time before they schedule all of this stuff, and she says, you know, listen, um, tell me about your diet. 
I'm like, well, I like to eat. And she's like, okay, but, but tell me about like your, your daily food intake, what you drink, those kind of things. And so I started telling her, I was like, well, I get up in the morning, I have a cup of coffee, um, stop at the store, get a cup of coffee, I drink that. Um, usually I'll have another cup of coffee during the morning. Um, usually around lunchtime, I'll have another cup of coffee. Um, usually right after lunch, I'd have another cup of coffee. Um, and then somewhere in the afternoon, I'd usually have another cup of coffee. And, um, and then she's like, well, how much water do you drink? I was like, well, I like Diet Pepsi. <laughs> she's like, well, so you don't drink any water? I'm like, I, I don't, don't really drink any water. And she's like, well, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go home. I want you to quit drinking coffee. And I was like, oh gosh, how am I going to function, right? And, and I want you to start drinking as much water as you can possibly get in your diet. And I was like, all right, okay, we can do this. We can, we can do this. And so I go home. I start doing that. About a month later, I went to the gym, and I'm like, got my fingers crossed. I start working out. No headache. I go back to her. She said, this is, this is what happened. You, your body was so dehydrated that every time you would try to do something, it would just cause the muscles and everything in your head to cramp up. And it was literally like a huge muscle cramp. She said, due to, like, dehydration. Now, I don't understand all that. I'm just telling. She may have made it up. I'm just telling you what she told me. And so I was there, and, and, and it turned out to be this thing that was so simple, just altering my diet. And then that ended up making me get well. And I wonder how many times that doesn't happen to us. But the point of this is, listen, it was something that they tried to make so complicated. And it was as simple as just not drinking an ungodly amount of caffeine. We figured it up. I was taking in like 80 ounces of coffee a day. I mean, it's wonder like I, I didn't just drop and die. And then on top of that, I was drinking no water, only diet Pepsi. But we make things so much more complicated oftentimes. One of the things that I see in the church is that we make things so complicated. Do we not? The first thing for us that is non-negotiable is that this thing is about Jesus Christ. Okay? Listen, these people did not change because we had complicated the obvious. It's about keeping the main thing, the main thing. How many churches do we have because we split over some fine point of theology while millions of people are dying and going to hell? How much better would it be if we could just say we are about Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ alone, and the love that he has shown us? How much better would it be? How much more can we do with the resources that we have if we didn't argue over little petty things that get in the way of the Great Commission? Listen, right now, sitting in here right now, we have people who came out of the Episcopal background. We have people who came out of a background of Pentecostals. And I think that is awesome. We've got Baptists, Methodists, all these different people. But you know why we can all sit here and get along? Because the main thing is the main thing. It's about Jesus Christ and the way he's touched our lives and the lives of the people that he's going to touch later. It's about keeping it that simple. It's about making it all about Jesus. See, I believe this. Jesus gave us a twofold commission, a mission that he set us on. The first is to take care of the people inside the church. And the second is to go and to reach the people outside the church. And I want to tell you something. I love the people in this church. 
because I am absolutely constantly amazed at the way you reach out and care for not only those outside the church, but those inside the church, not just those inside the church, but those outside the church. It absolutely blows me away. In Psalm 9-1, David says that, he says, I will praise the Lord for, I will declare the wonders of the Lord. That's what David said. So I'm going to ask you your permission, and, and hear my heart in this. I want to share some things that we've seen God do. Because I want to declare the wonders of God. I think sometimes in our life, one of the reasons we walk around and trip over our bottom lip is because we simply don't speak of the wondrous things that God has done. Right? I mean, if we really walked around thinking about all that God's done in our life, how he's touched our hearts, how he's touched people we love, all the good things he's done for us, would it not cause us to have a song of praise on our lips? Would it not cause us to want to, to, to just sing to God, to, to, to thank God, to speak to God, to pray to God, to praise Him? And so I want to, I got me a little list here, a little brag list. Is that okay? About what God has done. And listen, what you're going to hear has nothing to do, you will not hear anything that the pastor's done on this list right here. Because this is what God has done through the body of Christ, which is how it should be. And so I want to share some things with you. One of the things that I am crazy about what God has done is that when somebody moves to town, when somebody moves to town and, and they've got a history of addiction, they've got a history uh, of being in recovery, the first place that they hear to come to church is Connection Church. I love that. Because God has created an environment where anybody can come, where anybody is welcome, that we don't look at where somebody's been and what they've done and what they've been through, but we look at the fact that we serve a very big God who can change anybody. See, our leadership recognizes the fact that God can change anybody because he changed us. He touched our heart. He changed our heart. And so he can change anybody. If you knew our leadership and you knew where they came from, you would say he can change anybody. And so we know that God can do anything because we've seen it. And that's what we want other people to know is that God can do anything. The other thing, listen, this is just, this is, this is so new. About a week and a half ago, there's a ministry in Garfield, Georgia that we support. If you've never been to Garfield, you'll never find it. But it's, it's like way out there. It, it's, you know, you have to find it by accident kind of thing. And so, but there's a ministry that's absolutely incredible. They usually have between 25 and 30 men in recovery. And, and we, we heard one of our connect groups, our small groups heard that there were people there who, who didn't have a place to stay because one of the trailers that they stayed in had fallen apart. It had basically fell in. And one of our connect groups got together and they're like, we could do something about this. One of them bumps into somebody who just happened to work in a, a trailer business, selling trailers. And he just happened to know where a trailer was that was going to cost them more to move it than it was to, they could get for it to sell it. And it just so happened that our connect group remembered what had happened in Garfield, so they told somebody about it. Then they said, well, listen, we'll just give you the trailer. If they'll come pick it up, you can have it. What's amazing is that within five days, within five days, that connect group had lined it up so that they had a place for those men to stay. Is that not awesome? And that's, that's just, that's just God. That is such a God thing. God working through 
ordinary people. I'm telling you, the greatest miracle is when God can take a selfish, sinful heart and change it so that it looks out for the good of other people rather than its own good. Is that not amazing? Is that not awesome that God can do that? Another thing that happened through one of the connect groups is that um, a group of ladies that are in one of the small groups heard about a need. There's a thing, and some of you are familiar with it. It's called Backpack Buddies. It's where they take little kids who, um, who may or may not get to eat over the weekend because they're not at school. And what they do is they raise money and they get food and they, they put food in their backpack to carry it home so that they can have something to eat over the weekend. And that's right here in Statesboro. You know, it's not like people are just starving in other places. There are people who go hungry here. And our, our women's group, they looked at it and they said, this is a need that we can meet. This is a need that we can take care of. And they started taking up money. And some of them don't have much money to give. But they started taking up a collection. And they feed those kids um, from Friday to Sunday every week. Is that not awesome? That they're looking out for the least of these. And again, God is doing this in people's hearts. This is a real God using real people to meet real needs. One other one that is absolutely awesome that somebody came to me about. We've got two college students that are in this congregation that that decided that they wanted to do something uh, in missions to reach out. So they, they've come up with a business, and what they do is they take um, some fabric that they order from Africa, from somebody who gets it from Africa. They send it over. What they do is they make these little wristbands so that, that people can, can put them. It's just a little wristband, nothing fancy, but they're, they're planning to sell them. They're looking to start this business so they can sell these wristbands, so that they can use the money to send it overseas to Sierra Leone to build wells, dig wells, for people who have no water. So we take it for granted. We go and turn on a spigot, and there's plenty of water. But what they're doing, listen, when everybody else in college is trying to figure out how they're going to get rich, these kids are deciding, I want to do something for God and for people. And so they're coming up with a business to be able to sell these wristbands, to be able to raise money, to be able to dig life-giving water for these people in the poorest country in the world. How awesome is that, that God would do that in somebody's heart? Another thing that happens every Friday at 4 o'clock is we have a group of college students that go to Little Lots Creek Apartments and they share the love of Jesus. They give up an hour and a half of their week every week on Friday to go and to share the love of God with people who don't look like them, don't come from the same background as them, and yet they go out and share the love of God every week with these kids. That's God working in people's hearts and changing. That, is, that comes from an encounter with Jesus Christ when he begins to change their lives. One thing that was really, really awesome, for those of you who, who've been here probably and started coming within the last five months, um, when we first started the stage, like you guys over here, you'd be sitting on the stage, okay? And, and the wall was about right here where this little L-shaped funny-looking thing we couldn't do anything about is. And, and it got to be where it was really, really full on Sunday mornings. We would have people going all the way back into where the coffee is. And it was getting really, really full. And we came to a place where, honestly, at that time, we, our weekly offerings were about a little, a little less than $2,000, probably about $1,700. And we come to a place where we realized that if we don't get more space, we're not going to be able to reach as many people for Christ. And so we came to a conclusion that it, it's going to cost us more in the long run 
if we don't add on space. It's going to cost us more in the lives that we could affect for Christ. And so we come to a decision to tear down the wall. Right here, I would have been in like the nastiest swimming pool you've ever seen. We, we ended up having to cut a hole right there um, in the wall and bring in dirt and dump into the, the swimming pool to fill it up so that we could end up pouring concrete and making this place bigger. We thought we were in faith because we're sitting there and we're going, we're going to have to borrow $20,000 to get this done. Now, I know there's not a lot of money to some people, to some churches. To us, that is huge. That was almost a year's worth, or not a year's worth, but that was like 10 weeks worth of offerings for us, Right? And so we're looking at it, and we're like, whoa. And so I'm the big man of faith, right? I'm like, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. And, and they were like, well, you know, we're going to have to start paying rent in February, da, 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 da. There were all these reasons why we shouldn't do it. And then I was like, well, I think we can pay it off by February. They're like, yeah, okay, that's, that's cool. And so we all decided we can do this. This, this. God will be faithful to us. And so we do it. Here's the awesome thing. I signed a bank note for $20,000 on Friday. Not the next Tuesday, but the next Tuesday, we wrote a check back for $20,000 to pay off the entire note. How awesome. How awesome is God. And it wasn't because we were trying to glorify us. It was because we were trying to just reach people for the kingdom of God. It wasn't about building a bitter place for us. It was about there are people who haven't come here yet who need to know that Jesus loves them and that he cares for them. And so you guys rose up to the occasion, and we paid it off in like a week and a half. And we thought we were in faith for February. That was in October. God was like, here, take this and, and do it. Here. And it was absolutely amazing. Um, one of the things that, that, that I love about what God's doing here is that most of the time when I hear about a need, it's already been met. Most of the time when I find out that somebody needs a trailer, it's, be it's because they're telling me, listen to what God did. And I love the way that people are responding to the needs. You're not looking to your own needs. You're looking to the needs of others around you. One of the things that we've been blown away by, and, and honestly, we didn't realize it was this much until the other day we were looking at some budget things. We had budgeted $6,000 this year to be able to give to benevolence, um, to missions and those kinds of things. We went and looked at our budget the other day. We'd given almost $7,000 through the month of April. We're like, whoa. And the crazy thing about it is, we've got more money in the checking account now than we had two months ago. God is so faithful. When people come in, listen, I don't want you to hear that we think we can just write a check and God will cash it because that's not how it works. And I don't want like 100 people lined up at the door tomorrow morning being like, we hear y'all give it. Because we don't, just, we don't just give it to give it. We pray through it and I believe God is blessing it financially, not because we just write a check and pray that God will cash it, but because we're stewarding what he gave us. That we're actually being able to see people make a difference in the world by being able to help fund things. By having people in the church and outside the church who need a hand, who need to be pulled out of that pit a little bit. And so we're able to give. And we're able to give simply because God has blessed us. How awesome will it be to be able to get to the end of the year having given 20, 30% of what we have been given and not having missed a beat? How awesome is that? It's absolutely incredible, and it's because of what God is doing in people's heart. I want to finish. We're not just going to sit here and talk about things that have happened in the church, but I am seriously just want to just praise God because God is doing things in the hearts of people. I want to read this email. I got this at 839 this morning, and it came in. 
uh, came in and, uh, and I printed it out because I wanted to share it with you. It says, Brandon, I normally get my hair done with this person, but he was booked, so I had this other person do my hair. It says she uh, started doing Mal's hair, Mallory, who was up here uh, as one of our testimonies this morning. Uh, she told me that she could do it, this other girl. Once I got there, she told me she had visited the church and really liked it. After some comments, she told me that on Sunday, she went, that the Sunday she went there, there was a testimony from a young girl, and it really got her attention. We talked a bit over what the young lady shared. We discussed how church had changed people and their entire outlook on life and how we have to trust in him and his game plan for us. After a while, I told her it was Mallory's testimony she had heard. She teared up as she did not know and told me how moved she was. And knowing it was Mal brought it even closer to her heart. Awesome, Brandon. But that happened just this week. And, and listen, that testimony, that particular one, we didn't show who it was. It was just the words that were put up on the screen. And God is so awesome that he ordains the right person to be sitting in the chair at the right time, able to share the right thing. She happened to be here on the right Sunday for it to impact her life in an incredible way. I just want to say, just say we serve an awesome, big God. And if we don't overcomplicate the simple things, God can use us in a mighty and awesome way. I believe that one of the problems is we get so many different things going that we end up missing the whole point of what this is all about. We miss the point that it is about Jesus and what he's doing in the hearts and lives of people, right? Right. We get the air turned back on. It's really hot. I might pass out. I know y'all hate that because it's like already 12 o'clock. But we're going to breeze through real quick and get you out of here um, so that you don't have to sit so long. But one of the things that, that, we, um, that we want you to see is that, that we believe church should be very, very simple. We don't think it ought to be overcomplicated. We don't think that, that there ought to be a gazillion things going on. One thing that I see happening all the time is that we've kind of subscribed to this Walmart mentality of church where we feel like if we can just have something for everybody, then everybody will be happy. And then we can just do this. And, 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 and there's all, I mean, people are doing tons of things. And the people who are inside the church are worn out because they're trying to do all of this stuff. And, and we just don't believe that that's what God requires of us. We don't believe that's what God asks of us, to just be worn out and spent, but that God calls us to do two things. See, the Jews had come up with like 600 and something rules that they had to follow, and Jesus comes to earth, and he boils it down to two, right? Love God and love people. It's about as simple as it can be. And so he begins to unravel all of this stuff. And we don't want to overcomplicate what God called us to be about. He called us to be about loving him and loving each other. How much more simple can it get than that? We believe that what God's called us to do is to connect unbelievers to God and believers to each other. That we can see lives being changed. And so we do that very simply. We do it in four ways. Basically, we do Sunday morning. We do connect groups. We do children and, and uh, youth student ministries. And then we do our outreach stuff. And I know you probably get tired of hearing us talk about these connect groups. We're not trying to like run you off. We're just trying to convey the importance of one of these groups. We believe that lasting life change happens from the top to the bottom. We're excited because in the fall we're kicking off an after school program that's going to allow um, children uh, first grade through fifth grade to be in a small group right after school 
because we believe it's that important. We want them to be able to experience it that early in life. God has called us to be in fellowship with him and one another. We can't become all that God wants from us, all that God created us to be, if we're apart, if we're isolated. The devil's greatest plan, his greatest strategy is to drive you into isolation because then he can tear you apart. Everybody in this place needs somebody watching their back, somebody that's on their side, somebody they know that they can go to when the times are tough, when things aren't looking up, and you can go to and say, I need, some, I need help. But see, because of a lot of the things that have gone on in churches in the past, we don't feel like we can do that. In so many churches we come, and, and I pray that we don't, aren't this. I pray that we don't become this, that when we walk in the door of the church, it's because we got up that morning, we got dressed, we walked to the closet, put on our best clothes, and grabbed our best mask, and we walked in the doors of the church. We need to be a place that's real and open and honest. We need to find that group of people that we can get real and honest with so that we can grow and become all that God has created us to be. One thing that this scripture talks about is it says that that, that, that one day had clarity. It says, So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the Word. They knew what they were about. They knew they had to continue with the Word of God, but they also knew they couldn't neglect the people inside the church. It says, Brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them. Listen, there was a big conflict going on where these, these Hebraic Jewish women weren't getting fed. These widows weren't getting fed. These, then these Grecian Jewish, Jewish women that spoke Greek, they weren't getting fed. And there was a big deal going on. And so the church, this early church, had to come to a decision. What are we going to do? But they knew they couldn't quit reaching those on the outside, so they prayed and they came up with a plan that they would take seven men, Stephen being one of them, and they would take them and they would put them in charge of waiting tables. One of the things we've got to see if we're going to do all that God's called us to do is that everybody has a responsibility in this. God has gifted you with certain things that he needs for you to do. He has given you abilities that I don't have. He has given... You, me abilities that you don't have. I used to feel all guilty because I always wanted to preach. I always wanted to be in front of people preaching. And I was like, is it pride? Am I just wanting? And then after some of the sermons I preached, I was like, I know it didn't pride because it wasn't even good. <laughs> and so I was like, what is it? And then I found out like, this statistic that said that like 95% of people fear public speaking more than death. And I was like, okay, maybe it is a calling. Because I began to realize this is something that, that I shouldn't even desire, Right? I mean, 95% of people fear that more than death. I was like, wow. But God's called us to do different things. There are some of you in here who you, you wouldn't want to be up here sharing a testimony or preaching any more than you'd rather have, you know, you, something bad happen. I don't know what it would be. <laughs> but there's some of you that would die to bake a, 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 a pan of cookies for some, somebody that, that, that didn't have anything or that would love to carry a meal or that would love to do. We have a group of ladies every, every week. We have a, a NA group that meets in one of our uh, the children's building each week on Sunday night and Monday night. This group of ladies bakes something for them every week. Bakes cookies, a cake. I mean, I was thinking about coming just so I could eat, you know. <laughs> and... And they do it every week faithfully. They leave it in there, in the kitchen. There's something that God's called you to. There's something that God has gifted you to do that not everybody can do. You all have a part 
to play in this amazing plan that God has placed us in the middle of. What is that? What's keeping you from getting involved? What's keeping you from being in a connect group? What's keeping you from serving in some way, whether it's children, whether it's at the apartment complex, whether it's um, with uh, the youth? What is it that's keeping you from serving, from getting in and, and, and getting your hands dirty in the kingdom of God? The last thing that I want to share with you, and you get you out of here, is that we're always going to stay a missional church. One thing that I see that happens a lot is that churches start out and they're very, very missional. They're very, very missions-oriented. They're very, very missions-minded. And see, it, it has to happen that way because and some of you heard this many times, but some of you haven't. When we started out on, with this church, there were 12 of us that met in my living room. I believe it was on a Thursday night. All right? The next week, we had 13 in my living room. Susan and I talked. Where she was like, you need to start preaching. So we told everybody, all right, next week, we're just going to start preaching. And, and, and so just invite people to come. And we had seven. So obviously, again, the whole preaching thing. But we had seven people that met out at a pond house on a Monday night. Now, Monday night, 6.30, in a pond house with seven people. Five of them were family. <laughs> They had to be there. And I'm standing up there preaching, and I knew that it would be that way. So I was just praying. I felt like God was saying to me that there's, you know, 12 or 1,200. You need to just preach. So we get up there. We start preaching, and that's just weird. I don't care who you are. That's just weird. Seven people. And, and yet God begins to bring folks. We ended up with 30-something in there. This building came open for free. We moved in here. Absolutely incredible story from there. But the most awesome thing about it is that um, we were missional. When you got seven people, you got no choice, right? I mean, even when you got 10 people, you got no choice but to be missional. And so everybody's inviting people. Like, man, you got to come, you got to come, you got to come, you got to come. And, and, but what I see happen in churches is we get to a point where the cries on the inside become louder than the cries on the outside. Where we begin to look more towards the inside of the church because people start crying and, 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 and you know? And we have to start looking to the inside more than we look to the outside. And I want to tell you that we are going to remain a church that looks to the needs of those outside. We're going to continue to try to reach people for Christ. That's what this thing is about. And everybody always says, well, it's not about numbers. It's not about, it's not about numbers until it's your son that we're trying to reach. It's not about numbers until it's your dad or your mom or your daughter or your sister that's not in the church that doesn't know Christ. And then that number becomes very important. And so we'll always continue to look. We went over um, on Thursday morning. We left really early and went over to Bessemer, Alabama. It's, it's on the outskirts of Birmingham. We went to this place, one of the most awesome ministries I've ever seen in my life. Absolutely incredible. It was, it's a ministry that's geared to um, addiction and, and recovery. It's a mission. These, these men and women come in. There was over 300 men and women involved in this ministry. This place started with six people, with six men and Pastor Bill, the guy who leads it. It was absolutely incredible. He said that when he got there, there, there were so, their resources were so small that, that he actually paid one of the guys in the program to be in charge at night when he was gone. He paid him 25 bucks. That shouldn't work, right? 
I mean, it, it shouldn't have worked, but it did. Now they've got like 19 buildings that they use to house people and use for, for uh, maintenance, uh, hold it, keeping up with their maintenance stuff. They've got a chapel that seats 600 people out of six. It was absolutely incredible. And I want to tell you this. I was sitting there in their worship service Thursday night. One of the most amazing things was not the worship team, was not the preaching. The most amazing thing was to see how those men and women loved each other. And see, what they recognized was that they all had a common struggle. They recognized the fact that they all had a common need that only Christ could meet. And they come down and they do all this. And I look over and there's this young guy sitting on the front row. And he's sitting there and he's, um, he's worshiping. You could tell, man, God had done something in this guy's heart. And it's him and about two of his buddies. I would guess they're probably late teens. And, and I look and he's got, you know those little wristbands? The little plastic wristbands that, um, that, that like Lance Armstrong thing, you know, those kind of things. And then they've got some that are Christian things. Well, he had like three of those on. And I looked at that, and the reason I tell you is because my son Dake loves those little wristbands. And when I looked over and I saw those on that guy's arm, I saw him on his arm, I realized that that could be my son. That could be my son that needed a touch from God. See, that guy who made some bad decisions, that's somebody's child that needs to know the love of God. And if you want to know why we do what we do, if you want to know why we put up with some of the things we put up with, if you want to know why we keep going when things don't look good, that is why. It's because there are people who need to know Jesus Christ and the life-changing power that he holds. That's why we're here. It's our opportunity to be a part of changing other people's lives. It's not about our kingdom. It's about the kingdom of God. And sometimes I think we walk through the doors on Sunday morning and we forget about the importance. We forget the gravity of what we're doing here. That it's not just something we do for an hour and a half or today an hour and 40 minutes. And then we walk out the door. This is eternal. And the way God is using some of you is affecting people for eternity. And those of you who he's not using, he's calling you right now. Right now. To get in the game and begin to be missional for Christ. To begin to see needs and meet them. You know, if we'll begin to meet the needs of others, our needs just don't seem to be as important anymore. And so I want to challenge you to stand up. Not literally, but I want to challenge you to stand up for God. Those of you who know Christ, stand up for God. Those of you who don't know Christ, I'm telling you, it is a real relationship that he invites you to, a life-changing relationship that, that, that comes when we just simply surrender our lives to him. And so I want to ask you today, are you willing to do that? Are you willing to accept the challenge that God has for us? Recognizing, listen, if you wait to get perfect, you're never going to make it because you're never going to be perfect this side of heaven. But what God does is he comes to that which is not perfect. And he places his perfection on you. And he begins to transform you from the inside out. And that's what God is calling us to in this place today. Is simply surrender. To let go and allow God.
to begin to use us in the way that he wants us to be used. That's what we are here for. That's why this church exists, is to see people all ages, all backgrounds, black, white, yellow, pink, whatever, purple polka dots, whatever. We don't care. Come to know Christ in a real way and encounter the life-giving, life-changing power of Jesus. I'm going to ask the band to come back. We're going to um, have them play uh, one more song. Listen, if you need to get out of here, uh, we understand. It's, it's a little later than normal. But I want to leave you with this question. Are you willing to stand up for Christ? Are you willing to stand in the gap for people who need to know the love of Jesus? That's what he's called us to. And so that's our challenge. That's God's challenge to you today. Let's pray. God, thank you. Um...